welcome to the Classics Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri. Today, I'm going to look at an article from the New York Times titled, This Isn't What Millennial Middle Age Was Supposed to Look Like. It's by Jessica Gross. And, you know, this this is a, a little bit of a different podcast because I was really fascinated by the topic. And there are some elements of this article that I, I liked. And I'm going to talk about that near the end of the podcast. But if anything, the article got me thinking about point of view, perspective, and what major publications like the New York Times and the Atlantic and the New Yorker and all these, you know, really good magazines, amazing magazines, but oftentimes they are missing perspectives. And so I try to bring my own perspective to what I feel is missing. And I, I explain issues of class, of ethnicity, of, of just point of view that tends to be missing in these major publications. And so I try to talk about that and explain it. Maybe you'll disagree with me on this. Maybe you won't. I'm looking forward to seeing what you think as you listen to this episode of the Classics Podcast. It's interesting to talk about issues like middle age because when you when you hit 40 and I'm almost there, you, you don't really think of yourself as middle aged. And then you're like, I guess I am. And so that's kind of a fascinating moment in life, but also grappling with, well, what is a middle-aged perspective, right? Who are you asking? If you're the New York Times and you're asking your readers, you're not really getting that much perspective. That's not a very good survey of American life or American society. So I talk about that a lot in the Classics Podcast. This week, we're going to have two recordings, two episodes. John and I will be talking about American Gladiators in a few days, and there's a great documentary on ESPN Plus if you're interested in listening to that or watching that documentary before we talk about it. It's a two-parter. Honestly, if you're going to watch any of it, I would watch part one. (laughs) Part one is a really good analysis of American Gladiators from a societal point of view. Part two is Still, it's interesting, but it goes more into like the, the creation of it and who deserves credit for the the show itself. So that's a different subject. If you're interested, we'll be talking about it in a few days. It was a fascinating cultural moment in the 1990s that I'm sure you experienced if you grew up during that time. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I appreciate all of you for subscribing. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. I'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to look at an article from the New York Times titled, This Isn't What Millennial Middle Age Was Supposed to Look Like by Jessica Gross. Uh, You know, I went into this article, I was really excited about the topic, but I quickly realized that the perspective, as often is the case with not just the New York Times, but a lot of major publications, well, it was something that I couldn't identify with. You know, and I, I'm going to talk about that a lot on this podcast, sort of the the content of what's being discussed, but also what I think is missing. And what I think is missing is hopefully what I can bring to this podcast episode. And for me, what's missing a lot of times is something kind of similar to my perspective, which is a first-generation American perspective immigrant perspective, working class point of view. 
And that's central to my understanding of the world. And I know that the New York Times has good intentions, but I have to say that the only way to truly understand any topic, but let's say it's middle age for a group as diverse as millennials, well, that's going to require talking to a diverse group, not just New York Times readers, which I am. But, you know, there's there's this issue with the survey, a, to a big issue with the survey, if that's the only group that you're looking at. So I want to talk about this article, and I will, but I have to say that the problem in journalism today is really deeply rooted in this lack of understanding. And the lack of understanding is in terms of how most Americans are living. And I think that arises when perspectives of the working class, of immigrants, and of minorities also, and of white working class Americans, it's missing. And so that's, that's a key theme in this episode today. So I don't think the New York Times would even understand, honestly. And I don't, I don't say that in a condescending way. I don't really think they would understand what I'm even saying because, like I said, they are well-intended, but they're lacking a true understanding of the struggles that most Americans are going through. And that's due to who is writing the articles, who they choose as journalists, and also just, you know, the, the general worldview which oftentimes is kind of rooted in, you know, which school did you go to? Did you go to this specific Ivy League school? And that's going to sort of dictate what the perspective is going to be. So, okay, let me get into the article. One of the central themes is the material crisis that middle to upper middle class Americans who are millennials are facing and the crises in general that they have faced. Um, at this point in my life, I can definitely understand some of the issues that they're bringing up. One idea is that millennials have suffered through multiple crises. And the big ones, we all know them, you know, the 9-11, the recession of 08, which was had a huge impact on me. I mean, both events did. And COVID. Those are the big three. I'm sure you could add some in there as well. Uh, but, and this is, it's had a great impact on all of us. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you feel the same way. But here's my problem when you're like listing off issues facing a generation. I deal with it all the time in, in history class when I'm teaching the content. Every generation has conflicts, right? Struggles, conflicts, challenges of life. That's throughout American history. That's throughout world history. Life is a struggle. That's the clear continuity in human history that life is a struggle. So to write about the struggles of millennials is fine, but it's not any, there's no change there. There's nothing significant really in the struggles of millennials. It's just a continuity in the story of being human. So we don't have to go that far back to understand that concept. Think about 1970s, stagflation, uh, Vietnam in the 60s and 70s, the Korean War, World War II, the Great Depression. You know, there's so many events and really tough events. Think about being an immigrant living in tenements or Jim Crow segregation. You know, I think you get my point. What I'm saying is that all struggles are not equal, but struggle and strife is pretty much always present in, in the human condition. If anything, we're very privileged in our current struggles. If you really compare and contrast, we're the ones who are privileged living in 2023. So now part of this, I guess you could say is a relativity issue, which the article acknowledges, you know, middle class, Millennials had a good life as children. This is actually a big theme in the article, which I agree with. Middle-class millennials having a good life as children. And here's a quote from the article. 
The article says, childhoods that, I guess these were childhoods that were marked by an unusually high level of prosperity in the United States. And that's important to the understanding this article. Because of that experience, the article argues that stability was assumed. That's a big theme here, assuming stability. And when you assume stability, any kind of challenge is totally unfair, you know? And that's a problem because you can't assume stability in an unstable world. So stability can never be assumed. And I think that's sort of a result. I understand that because, you know, growing up working class, that's a different lifestyle, right? Where the class, the class dynamic sort of puts you in a different psychological state. But the assumption of stability by those who grew up with a tremendous amount of privilege, well, that's, you know, that's clear, I think, to those of us who didn't. And I think that's my main point there, that I agree with the, the idea. I even heard an interview with Barack Obama recently, and he talks about something similar. So these ideas are kind of floating around in different places, where the idea of when you assume stability, because you grew up with stability, then a lot of challenges in life seem very dramatic and sometimes even traumatic. And that's that's something to reflect on, you know, is is our childhood influencing how we view later events in life. So I, I you know, I experienced this class difference a lot, especially when I went to from the community college system to the to the state to the UC system. And there was a different, I immediately noticed, especially in the UC system, the expectations, the assumptions, just the language that was used, it was totally different. You know, I recall it feeling like a big surprise when I first experienced the difference in classes. Over time, I, I saw it as a natural way individuals in different environments view the world. So what I'm saying is I can understand the differences that class creates, which creates articles like this, which emphasize maybe a perspective and a viewpoint that many Americans probably don't identify with, you know? Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to shift a little bit. I'm going to shift to a question related to how individuals in their 40s, millennials, especially younger 40s, Millennials view the idea of a midlife crisis. This was a fun topic for me because it really got into some ideas that I never thought about before. I enjoyed this portion of the article because it really challenged the idea of a middle life crisis or a midlife crisis, questioning the lack of objective research that has gone into the concept. I mean, if you think about it, where does the idea even come from? They actually explain it a little bit in the article. The author does. So... That was cool. I, I, I enjoyed reading the, the root of it because a lot of times we don't understand that ideas just come from random places sometimes. The article really emphasizes that humans have always discussed stages of life. So you have that with like Erickson stages in psychology or even Shakespeare delved into this, this popular notion. But the idea, or I guess you could say the American idea of let's say a guy who's going to buy a sports car or motorcycle in his early 40s. That's actually related to the idea of boredom, which is interesting to think about, right? Are we talking about a crisis or a crisis of boredom? So we're either, because if you're going to argue that we don't have a midlife crisis today, it's because we're either less bored, (laughs) because we have so much going on, more stress, 
or the whole idea is a myth that our culture has just promoted. So it's one of the two, right? And I kind of think both are true. You know, from a psychological perspective, we have a crisis at every stage, really. If you think about whether that's the stress of going to college and leaving high school or entering a new career or parenting or retirement, these are all shifts that are natural and normal. So I'd say, yeah, we have midlife, a midlife crisis along with other struggles, you know, that I associate with transitions in life. But being born in the suburbs and buying a sports car, you know, I'm, I'm questioning this. You know, that, that's definitely a subgroup of Americans. I don't know, you know, what I think about that. It's, it's probably a crisis for some people, but not for most people. So to have a general midlife crisis, probably not. But I like that the article is, is going into this topic. You know, what is a midlife crisis? And I wonder what you think. Do you identify with a midlife crisis? And do you, do you think it's, it's an important thing? And what is it related to? Why do we have those? So for me, before I go to the next point, I want to emphasize, you know, I do have a problem with the point of view a lot of times because I think that in a lot of these journals, newspapers, magazines, they are emphasizing a point of view that's not necessarily, not even just a subgroup of Americans. I think they're emphasizing a small subgroup of Americans and their experience and assuming that that's a general generalized perspective. I have a problem with that. But I also like the idea of just reflecting on what a midlife crisis is. So I do see, and I guess this is, I don't guess, I know that this is where I really have a different perspective from the article. The article focuses a lot on material things. So for example, childcare, right? Childcare is causing a lot of stress for individuals, which creates a midlife crisis, which creates a stressful life for millennials. And which leads to, I guess, an, a recognition of being in your middle age. Now, I see the central issue as different. I don't, material issues are very real. But to me, what's more real is mortality or death. And I think, not to get morbid, but I do, I do believe that, you know, specifically related to the death of loved ones, it's a subjective concept because we all experience it at different times, but it is universal. And my point is that some people go through these crises at different stages. And I feel like that's the, the core reason for any sort of midlife struggle is dealing with, reflecting on, and experiencing mortality. I think that's a very, very important concept that's missing. Yes, childcare costs, healthcare issues, professional development, all those ideas are important. They're significant, but they're not as important as the biggest ideas, you know, that we face in life, the biggest struggles that we face, specifically, you know, the, the death of loved ones, experiencing the uh, loss in general. And I, something tells me that uh, from personal experience that as you know, we get older, we just experience it more and more. And that creates more of a, a central conflict in our identity, in our core, in how we view the world, which could lead to a crisis of some sort for people. Uh, but I think most people get through it and th their identity just is shaped by that. In major ways and I've, I've discussed this a lot on this podcast so i think you know 
to focus, which the article does, on only like childcare as as a crisis, yeah, it's not grief really, you know. And this this goes back to experience though, doesn't it? Because when we're talking about perspective and experience, who's writing these articles? What are these articles saying? A lot of times they are missing that important factor. So I guess for me, I love reading thought-provoking pieces, but the issues of geography, which which class is related to, of class, culture, all these they really, really stood out to me, especially in these major publications. There's something lacking. I have to be honest. And I, I love reading them. I love thought-provoking pieces, but it is lacking. And that's just, you know, for whatever reason, I think this article just, it made me see that very clearly. Sometimes I don't see it as clearly as in other articles, but this one really stood out to me. In in the last episode, I discussed Crossroads. Great book. So check out that last podcast episode if you don't know what I'm talking about. But that book focused on multiple perspectives. And I think that's one argument for reading more novels over newspaper articles or magazines, if the writer in a novel is coming from a totally different world than ours, which is often the case, then we're forced to understand that perspective, right? And as I read this, I thought, you know, thinking of perspective, I worked 20, 30, 22, 30 hours a week, commuted for about an hour to two hours, depending on traffic when I was in college. You know, a lot of people who write for these publications would probably view that as a crisis, maybe an early life crisis if they had to go through that. But that was the working class experience. Everyone I knew was doing that. So what I'm saying is, would I call it a crisis? No. But that was and is my life. Honestly, I look back on it fondly. So I guess perspective is important is what I'm saying. Thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. John and I will be podcasting in a couple days. And uh, so we're going to be looking at this new American Gladiators documentary, which I had a good time watching, actually. It brought me back to the 1990s. American Gladiators, if you want to watch the documentary before we podcast about it, it's um, it's on ESPN+. Plus. So what's interesting, though, is that there's another documentary related to American Gladiators. It's coming out on Netflix on Wednesday. So I'm actually looking forward to watching that one as well and sort of compare and contrast the two documentaries. But it, it got me, it, it's, it's a fascinating documentary and it goes into exploitation of workers. It goes into the, the, the moment in the 90s where we were watching shows like American Gladiators. And uh, it's it's really fascinating. It's it's kind of related to today because it's it's related to writers going on strike and the reality TV model that's created when that occurs. So, thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. This will be a unique week where we have two recordings, and uh, I appreciate you for for leaving reviews and for having giving me a five star rating, me and John. And uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you in a few days. Thank you.